Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Process Potables. My name is Dan Morgan, joining you as always. Process Potables is proud to be a part of the Underground Sports Philly Podcast Network. You can find all things Underground Sports Philly on Twitter at UndergroundPHI. Thank you to everybody for listening, and please, if you have not already, subscribe to the podcast, leave a five-star rating, and write a review. We are on all social media, including Twitter, Instagram, and Untapped at Process Potables. Before we get into the episode, I just want to give you guys an update on some of the events we have coming up. On October 23rd, we will be at the Sixers home opener against the Boston Celtics. We will be broadcasting live from the Wells Fargo Center parking lot. We will be in lot D. When I have more specifics, I will make sure to get them out there. We are looking to have giveaways regarding some beers, some shirts from Design Tree. Shout out to them. We do have some shirts ourselves that are up for sale now. So if you go to Design Tree and look up Process Potables, you'll find them. Again, make sure that you are following Design Tree at Design Tree. That's D-S-G-N-T-R-E-E. And on November 1st, we will be live from Flying Fish Brewery in Somerdale, New Jersey from 4 to 6 p.m. Also broadcasting from there. Make sure you come out. Check out all the awesome beers that Flying Fish has to offer. And we hope to see you at one of these events. We have a first-time guest on the podcast today. Marty Teller. You can find him on Twitter at MWTeller. Many of you probably know Marty from Sixers Twitter. Marty's a season ticket holder. He is a huge basketball fan, knows the league very well, knows the Sixers very well, uh, is often very engaged on there with everybody, is a great salary cap guy as well, uh, really knows the numbers, really knows his stuff. So it's awesome to get Marty on here. Got Marty over to the studio. This is going to be yet another installment in our season preview series. You can check out the past couple episodes. We've had Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad, Adam Aronson from Liberty Ballers, and Jimmy McCormick from ESPN. So we'll go through all of that with Marty. This is the first time that I really get to answer the questions as well. The other episodes, I was really just trying to get the info out of the respective guests, but me and Marty have more of a back-and-forth kind of conversation. Marty kind of flips the script on me a little bit, does a little interviewing and getting my perspective on things. So it was a lot of fun. So I really hope that you guys enjoy the episode. And here it is, the interview with Marty Teller. All right, so I am now joined by Marty Teller. You can find him on Twitter at MWTeller. Marty, what's going on, man? What's up, man? Happy to be here. Haven't had anybody in the basement for a long time. <laughs> We're in the beat used lab. to call this the process. Or, oh, my God, I don't even have it right. We used to call this the podcast paradise. And since then, it's kind of like in a, an abandoned desert. No, nah, it's great down here, man. I can't imagine actually ever leaving here. I'd probably just hang down here watching <laughs> game after game. Yeah, that, that's pretty much how it is if I ever have an actual goddamn minute to do so. <laughs> so th- we're continuing the series of our season prediction preview pods. So people who have been listening are probably familiar with a lot of the questions and stuff. But we're going to just kind of talk in general. Uh, I want to do it a little different with you because everyone else that I've had on you know, you can get a lot of their regular takes and stuff through all these articles that they write and all this stuff. But like, people know you from Twitter. Like, yeah. you're a prominent Sixers Twitter guy. <laughs> Just a Twitter but, guy, yeah. But yeah, you don't have all these articles out there. People can go and also find all the takes. So while they may know if they've seen it through the timeline, it's not necessarily readily there. So. Before we even go into all this, I figure if you just want to kind of give your overall thoughts on the team, how they handled the offseason, this roster construction, like, let's go for it. Yeah, no, I mean, just looking back at, uh, at last season, um, you know, I definitely was a run-it-back guy. Um, you kind of overlook all the Jimmy's uh, personality stuff. I mean, that team was really, really close. They really had everything I think they needed. You know, Joe's health is, is a key factor, but... You know, that seemed like the easiest path forward. Obviously, that doesn't take into account, you know, luxury tax and cap implications. Um, so given, you know, the circumstances, Jimmy wanting to retire in Miami and what have you, <clears throat> to, end up with, uh, to end up with Josh Richardson, you know, Al Horford um, is a pretty good, pretty good pivot by Elton. I mean, I got to give him credit. I think, you know, um, you know, praise for Elton, criticism for Elton. I think you can go kind of either way. He's obviously paid a premium for, you know, Tobias for moving up for Thibault. Um, but at the end of the day, like, you get the guys. If they're the right guys, they're the right guys. Um, you have to like what you see so far with Thibault as well. Um, I like where they're positioned. I think if you just take a step back and think about, you know, the four players that, that really make up the core of the Sixers now. So Ben, Joel, Josh, and Tobias, just their age and what they're able to do and how they complement each other. Um, I think – you know, for the, maybe the first time 
since, you know, I can remember the Sixers are kind of, you know, one of the sum is greater than, you know, uh, the whole is greater than the the parts, you know, that that uh, common phrase. Um, I think you take one of those guys away right now. And it kind of leads into like one of my big concerns I see here on your list. Um, I think the team's going to struggle a little bit. But as far as a starting five goes, I mean, I think it's I think it's honestly the best one in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, that's been their MO since they got out of the process. These back-to-back 52-win seasons has been the starting five is always like, you know, if not the best, one of the best net rating lineups in the league. It's usually the combination of them and a bunch of different Golden State starting lineups that are always up there. The issue has always been what comes after that. And I think right now, I mean, I think it's the best we've had it. That doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. You're talking about the bench. Yeah. Yeah. And and just the the not even so much the bench as a whole, but the way they'll be able to rotate. Because you have to consider that what we hear about this starting lineup is they're going to play together, but right. they're also right. meant to be staggered. And so hopefully even just their you know, talent and potential is going to offset the lack of bench, even though like you would think that's a weird way to utilize your bench. That's how they're going to have to do it. And I actually think it will work out pretty well. I think it'll work out well. Um, I know you were, you know, talking to Jimmy McCormick. Uh, I listened to that pod last week. Um, and his concern was, you know, he talked about injuries and it's, it's kind of a cop out cause you know, that that's kind of always haunted the Sixers and, um, Hopefully that's not the case this year, but I think the biggest concern that I have just thinking about this team um, is is bench scoring. Um, I think, you know, like I just said, when you look at the, the starting five, everyone's in a perfect role. Everyone's in a role where I think they'll be fully maximized. And I think when that's the case, when you stagger these guys and bring in, you know, kind of elite role players, a Kylo Quinn, a Thibault. Ennis, Scott, they really are going to star in their roles. What worries me is if you have a guy, especially, and it sounds so weird, I think they're in better shape than they've ever been with Embiid if he were to get nicked up, you know, and miss a couple games, miss a couple sure. weeks. I think they actually could sustain that with, with Horford and with Kylo Quinn and, you know, slide and uh, Tobias up to the four more. Uh, what worries me is if, like, Tobias got nicked up or Josh got nicked up. I just think they're going to be so dependent on those guys to get buckets, to get points. Um, believe it or not, I feel like it's almost, like, more critical those guys stay healthy for the majority of the season. Because I think then all of a sudden you're looking to bring somebody off the bench and, and asking them to get buckets um, and score points. I know the defense is going to be good. Um, I, I think it'll probably be top three, um, you know, as far as like bold predictions. I mean, I think it could be, you know, I've heard a couple, you know, Danny LaRue and Nate, those guys throw around like historic levels. I'd love to see it. I think it's possible. Um, so I would say like that's my bold prediction if there's ever one is that this Sixers defense could be like an all-time level defense. It's interesting hearing you talk about it because I haven't thought about it that way, but you're actually right. Like, I would say of the starting five, like, if either Embiid or Horford go down, I think honestly, that's the easiest case for them to get by short because term, you for have short the term, other. Yeah, yeah, for short term. Yeah, because absolutely. you have the other. Correct. And you can slide in Kylo Quinn and you can make a lot of adjustments. You're right. But yeah, I mean, even Ben, I would add Ben in those. Ben, Tobias, and Josh, any one of them is out and it's going to be pretty hard because you're going to have a lack of ball handling, a lack of creation. And Embiid and Horford don't offset that. Obviously, the defense will still be there and whatnot, but thinking about replacing any of those three guys minutes with James Ennis or Matisse Thibel (laughs) or Trey Burke. Yeah. I mean, you look, you know, uh, Thibel had a nice game Friday night. I won't pretend that I saw the game. I saw the stat line. I watched all the highlights, but you know, he scored three points, you know? And so obviously all the other stuff he does is going to be fantastic. He's going to fit perfectly on this team. And again, when all, when all engines are firing, I think he'll be like it won't get any better than him. I think he's going to really star in his role, probably be all rookie. Um, I mean, I really believe that already just from the limited action we've seen. But, um, and I meant to look at this before I came, but if you just look at some of the top teams, guys will bring off their bench and their you know, points per game. You know, you look at like a Mike Scott, you look at an Ennis, like we don't really have a guy, you know, and I'm not saying, you know, very few teams have a Lou Williams or, you know, someone of that ilk, but um, just to have one guy that can score some points, you know, I think the Sixers, um, I'm sure Elton will be looking on the trade market, but even somebody like as simple as like an Alonzo Trier, like just to have a guy, I think the idea of Trey Burke is, is like what they were going for. I just don't think Trey Burke is that good. So, you know, will it come into play? Will it be a huge factor? Probably not assuming everyone stays relatively healthy, but that would probably be my concern is just if somebody does get nicked up, where are the points coming from? And is the defense good enough to kind of overcome that in those in those games? 
Yeah, I want to go back to Thibel because we're we're kind of jumping around this list, which I love. I think my bold prediction, you know, now just looking at seeing one game and the box score of another, and I'll also tell you something I was completely wrong about after, but uh, I think Matisse Thibel could seriously get close to pushing like the rookie steals record. That's in an a interesting season. one. Yeah, no, I, like, I, like absolutely. If it seems like he's actually going to like the way Brett's run it so far, it looks like he's really. A lot higher in the rotation than I expected him. What to do you be. think he'll play? Twenty minutes a night, at, at least. If yeah. they're if they're really going to be conscious of making yeah. sure they're not running the starters into the ground, and the way he's been coming off the bench early, his it, shot looks good too. It really does look smooth. And he's going to need like I think more than a lot of other people. Like you said, he only scored three points, and that's obviously a concern. But he's going to have to get out there and just get the shots up in game. Mm-hmm. So I think Brett might be realizing that as a guy who historically hasn't given rookies a ton of run, I think he knows how important it is that they get this kid right on both ends and that he's going to do it by playing. He's not going to do it by figuring it out in the gym. And like he's not going to just start coming into the NBA games and shooting it up. He's going to have to go out there and realize that, like, crap, like I'm in the corner and I got the look and right. I have to shoot it. And that's how he's really going to develop and grow from it what are your thoughts on Zaire right now that's what I was completely wrong about because a lot of a lot of the talk was I mean people talk about the three-team race with Ennis and Thibel and Smith but I was just tournament I was just more interested in Thibel versus Zaire and Mm -hmm. I really thought Zaire was gonna be the first guy off the bench I thought that having another year albeit with all the concerns that he had and the medical issues that I really thought you know a full summer here and the way that they valued him, you know, in the draft when they made the deal to get him, that I thought he was really going to have a shot at it. And so far, it really seems like he's already kind of fallen out of favor. I don't want to read too deep yeah, into it's, it. Yeah, it's early. It's early. I, I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I heard somebody, and I forget who, who was mentioning it on, on, uh, on Twitter, just talking about, like, could he be a sneaky trade candidate? Yeah. I hope not. I hope not. I think that's pretty short-sighted, and that's where I do get nervous with Elton. I know they're all in, but um, you need a guy like, like him – or Thibault to really pop. I mean, Horford's 33 going on 34. I talked about the four, you know, who I consider the four core guys, but you're going to need a fifth guy. And I think Zaire represents so much promise. I, I hope that's not what's going on. And I would say, you know, with Brett Brown, my biggest complaint of, of his over the years is, you know, really since we got out of the pure process time period, um, he seems so reluctant to let guys play through mistakes. Um, Thibault comes in as a, a four-year senior, so I think he's more prepared than you know other other rookies, you know, especially that the Sixers have had recently. But I definitely don't want to see Zaire get buried. I was really hoping actually to see like some Zaire and Matisse together in some Ben lineups with like maybe Horford and and Mike Scott at the four, just having those two wings on the side, just kind of flying up the floor, causing chaos on defense. So it's an 82-game season. Um, I don't, maybe they want to get uh, Zaire started in Delaware first to get a lot of heavy minutes. Um, I hope, I don't want to see Zaire be a role player in the sense of like, you know, just be a guy that only does this or that. I think that was something I said earlier this summer. I hope the Sixers thought with him is that he could be a guy that does more that maybe eventually he's a guy you give the ball to at the end of games and can make something happen. He's such an interesting player, his body type and his strength, um, you know, I just I, it's some it's a guy. I hope they don't they have a plan for. I hope that that's my biggest you know biggest thought on Zaire is that I hope they have a plan for him. Yeah, the the trade thing is a huge concern of mine, and I've heard that too. And I mean, it makes sense. Unfortunately, you're you're a really good cap guy, like really good cap guy. What do you think? This is kind of a sidebar, but I think it also plays in the the importance of why they need guys like him and Thibel. This whole thing about teams are preparing for the salary cap yeah. to actually drop. Well, like, the China thing. Yeah, that's that's one thing that while I think the average fan for any team would just be like, oh, like this isn't good. Like there's less money. My only like, I guess, glimmer of hope or like positivity in that sense is that I think that's going to handcuff their ability to get even further all in because there has to be some sense of we still have to put a team out the next couple of years and you can't just keep adding on salary and especially if you have any concern that there won't be more money there will actually be less right you need the value of Thibault's rookie contract and Zaire's rookie contract and not only the the contract itself but their minutes and their ability to play at that number 100%. 100%. No, 100%. And you hope this year it's not affected too much because the whole goal of this year was for them to stay under the cap until next year when Ben's uh, contract kicks in. And then they do, no doubt about it, 
nothing they can do become a luxury tax team. So hopefully that's still the case because you get into the repeater tax, the three out of four years. So they really need this year to stay under the cap. So you're, to your point, even as far as a trade goes, um, you know, they're going to be shopping the bargain bin for sure and probably the buyout market. And it's a little scary. And, and again, that's another thing to think about when we look at these projections is you're looking at things how they are now. Teams like the Bucks, um, even teams like the Lakers, Clippers, like they still do have a few bullets left. They've got some contracts. I know, you know, the, the Lakers and the Clippers especially gave up a million first, but even the Nets, like they still have some picks, second rounders. They've got contracts they can match. Um, unfortunately for Philadelphia, it's basically like Mike Scott has, has a decent sized contract you could do something with. Seems like he's part of the team's plan, um, you know, for the right player. Maybe he's involved. Um, but I don't know. You know, that that's the one thing to think about as you look forward is things aren't things as they are now may not be the same six months from now. So it's easy to say, yeah, we'll be better than Milwaukee. We'll be better than these teams. But those teams could go even you know more all in if that's if that makes sense. Yeah, I think to the dark horse of Zaire being a trade guy, I think the other one to actually look out for based on a lot of stuff you just said is Kyle O'Quinn too, because if they use him early and and use you know the first couple of months to really uh, take advantage of having him and limiting the minutes and stuff, and you get to the trade deadline and you're confident in Embiid and Horford's mm. health at that point that you've done the work, and maybe even at that point they feel like they've gotten more work in for a guy like Norvell Pell or even Christ Kumaje that at that point if a team in a playoff contender is looking for a backup center and you can fill that role and you can use that as value, that he could be a chip because – Come the playoffs, you, you really think he's going to have any run as like the third center on the team? Like I, I don't know. Like I'd be fine if he does, but yeah. I think they could either get by without needing that really at all, or they can get to the point where they feel confident they have a younger player that, worst case scenario, is filling that uh, Greg Monroe, Amir Johnson, you know, yeah. four minute a game <clears throat> run if they have. I, to. I mean, Oakland's definitely going to play. I think that's something people don't realize, or maybe didn't realize until the preseason started. That like if you. There's different tools out there. I know people have probably been on early bird rights, but there's a rotation tool in there that's really cool. Yeah, me and me and Adam talked about that. I, I found it's, that out from his article. Yeah, from it's, it's, is awesome. it's fun. And if you play around with it, you can see, like, there's really no way that, that they can't, you know, they can just go with two uh, two bigs with Horford and Embiid. So they're going to have to go with, um, with O'Quinn probably for 8 to 12 minutes a night during the regular season at least. I think it's more likely – I hear what you're saying about O'Quinn. I think it's more likely Bolden – is, is the guy that'll be including a deal, whether it's, you know, because a team is interested or just to make money work. Um, I think it's probably bold. And if, especially having Pell as, your, as a two-way guy that if you needed some some extra minutes, Embiid's out for a night, Horford's out for a night, you can bring him along and, you know, he can spot some minutes at the five. So Yeah, uh, he's definitely going to play. And I love having him here. I don't want any of that to happen, to be clear. but Of course. Uh, and Bolden, Obviously, salary reason why, and like you know, maybe upside though. I'm pretty out on him at this point. Some team sees that, but if they're looking to make a real significant move, I don't think he's gonna have the value to swing it. So that's where I think like you know, a lot of teams will probably be looking for centers, playoff contenders. I mean, look at the Clippers. Like, what the hell yeah, are they doing? That's true. Not that you probably want to send him to them because you expect to see <laughs> right, them, right, right, things like that. And that's gonna so. be interesting to see who are sellers because there's so many teams in the West that really probably feel like they have a chance. The East is kind of funky. Obviously, there's the bottom dwellers. The Knicks are going to be open for business early, um, so that might be a team again. You, yeah, you, like you know, a Reggie, you know, Reggie Bullock. If he's healthy, you know, he's at a number that you could get to um, with with like a Furkan and a, and a Bolden. So, I think the one guy I would really like focus on. I know the Spurs never make an in season deal, but Brent Forbes would be a slam dunk. You know, making three point two million. I think is the cap number. Um, you have like early bird rights on him this summer. Uh, Spurs have a ton of guards with Murray back and White's development and uh, Lonnie Walker. So he's a guy I'd look at. I would be really aggressive with. The Sixers still have rights to uh, Mitchich. Um, that might be interesting to the Spurs. You know, that could be a guy you include in the deal. So enough off-season talk. We should probably talk about what's actually happening. Yeah, 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 for <laughs> yeah. sure. So uh, one of the things I've been asking people that I think solicits pretty good, you know, conversation is. 
uh, a po- we can kind of lump them both together, a positive and negative narrative that you think is likely to develop this season? I think the positive narrative that, that's going to be this season is that the Sixers are the Sixers are basketball royalty again. I mean, they're going to be mentioned in every podcast. Um, you know, they're going to be on national TV, you know, a million times. Um, they're going to be right up there with a the top five record this season in the NBA. So um, whether we like it or not, whether we like what everything is said and the, the national takes, <clears throat> you know, we're definitely going to hear um, a lot about the Sixers. And I think in a, in, in a vacuum, it's, it's a positive. You know, we've been, you know, through the process. It's, you know, it's been kind of, you know, a pretty long period of time since the team was this good. And it's real. You know, it's not, you know, we, we kind of taped it together last year and it, it turned out to be pretty good. But this is this is legit. This is definitely legit, and people should enjoy this. I know Sixers Twitter has like the tendency to kind of eat itself sometimes, and I think like people should just try to take a step back as much as they can, you know, to each their own, but just to enjoy it as much as they possibly can. That's the point I've gotten to, and I think the nice thing, national media wise, especially, is that now like this is gonna be the third season of being a, a legitimate contender. Like even if you say you know the other years like maybe they were, maybe they weren't. You know, fifty two wins is is a is a good number. You get to that third season of it, you have all the expectations. You make these moves, you're all in. We're finally kind of getting to the point where you hear very little to none from like ESPN, for example, where they're still harping on the process and the 10 win season. Like last two years, almost every time they'd be like, oh, they won 52 games. Remember when they won 10? Like you're kind of at the point now where it's just like, hey, they're really good. And by the way, the last two seasons, they won 52 games. So like we're finally switching that narrative. And I know, you know, like you mentioned Sixers Twitter, there are some people that almost are offended that people do move on from that. And I think there's some people that kind of wish that talk never ended because th- that was their prime. And I get it. I mean, that was, that was a big part for me too, but it's nice to see the other side of it. Cause it's been so goddamn long. That it's just nice to see like, Hey, they've been good for a while and they're a contender and they're elite. And like, I want to enjoy that as much as I made it a point to enjoy the bad. Yeah. I don't want to sit here and, and dwell on it anymore. I want to enjoy the good. I want to be, cocky i want to be arrogant i want to be like yeah we're gonna go win a fucking title right no 100 percent. I mean, and it's just like you know the saturday night abc games like we're on those and not just one like multiple so uh it's gonna be a fun season you know hopefully people you know that that have season tickets they go out and the, the crowd's loud and the team feeds off it you know i, I think you know sometimes when expectations creep up in philadelphia we have a sense like a, a tendency to be like pensive and like concerned like nervous and I think, you know, baseball and and basketball, the nice thing about them is the seasons are so long. So, you know, don't sweat the first 10 games. Don't sweat the first 20 games. I mean, unless things really go sideways. But, (laughs) you know, you have to take into account the Sixers play like something crazy, like nine of the first 13 on the road. So, you know, is it possible they'll be, you know, eight and five after the first 13? Yeah, like they might be and they might be, you know, fourth or fifth in the East because the Magic came out hot or something, you know. So, you know, again, unless we're, you know, four and four and eight or, you know, four and nine, then, then I'm like, okay, something's up, but I I doubt that'll be the case. And so I think people just kind of let the season brew, um, you know, again, with sample size, like Brett's got to play guys. He's going to have to see lineups together to see what works and what doesn't. So again, you know, before everyone freaks out and gets mad about why is he playing this guy with this guy? Why is he subbing like this? Why is O'Quinn playing so many minutes? you know, he's got to do that. It's going to take 20, 30 games to establish, okay, I can depend on this guy. Okay, this lineup doesn't work. I need to switch things up. So people just have to, I think, you know, it's crazy to still preach patience, but I think you still have to. I mean, look at that first 52-win season. They were 36-30 and 30 until they reeled off 16 in a row. I mean, at Christmas, we were all panicking. They they were not good. I, people I, forget that. Yeah. And it's amazing Brown lasted through that because everyone talks about, like, when did Colangelo have the opportunity to to fire Brown like that was the opportunity so it's kind of strange it didn't happen then you kind of wonder what was going on behind the scenes but um yeah 100 percent. and like that season was so crazy all those mm-hmm. losses and then you reeled off those at the end you talked about the crowd um we were talking before we both have season tickets and I mean I don't, I don't think there's any worry about the crowd but I always I just love talking about this with everybody who has these did you go to the the last game of the Nets series last year <sighs> I, I don't think I did. I think uh, the guy I split my my boy uh, Pat McMaster, the guy I split split my tickets with. I think he went with his wife, and he said it was bananas. Yeah, when they shut him out for like the first half of the first yeah. quarter, I thought the building was going to collapse in on. Yeah, itself. I like, think he was. Not even a metaphor. <laughs> like sometimes it's a metaphor. This wasn't. 
uh, like this season, like we get the Lakers here on Saturday night on ABC. That's like right around my birthday. I already have it circled. Like I have a friend who's a Lakers fan who went with me last year. Oof. It was on a Sunday. Yeah, it's rough. But it's a good time. It's it's fun to take somebody yeah, and yeah. like go back and forth, especially last year because we smoked them. And I mean, I think we'll smoke them again, but I'll talk about that when it gets closer. But like that was on a Sunday and we made a heck of a good time out of it. Now it's a Saturday night. Like, that's insane. I know. No, it's going to, that's going to be one of the better atmospheres. That's going to be mean, like, hopefully it's it, going to be like a three or four o'clock in the lock game. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely having fun pre-game for basketball, and, for basketball. Yeah. And like not for the Eagles for basketball. We're talking about five hours before no, that, the game in the parking crowd, lot. That crowd's going to be good. And I think, I think it's the weekend. If I'm not mistaken, I think it's the weekend between like the, the um, end of the playoffs and the Super Bowl. So like, it's not even like football's not even really happening. Hopefully, the yeah, I'm trying to think. I don't remember. Ready. I feel like um, it's the weekend after the Super Bowl all right, or maybe. something. Because I think it's like the second week of February or something. I think it's end of January. Okay, maybe. I think so. I have a circle. It's right near my birthday. Yeah. So. What's your worry? What's What's got you worried about the Sixers this year? What's your, what's your negative narrative that you think might develop? I mean, we talked about the bench stuff. And I guess, I don't know if I really have any huge concerns with the play of the team, my worry all stems back to Zaire. I'm worried that there's something deeper there. That's your worry. That's not like the narrative, though. Like, well, what? the narrative, like, it's going to keep bubbling up, up because I think people expected him to be prominent. And if Thibault's going to get all this run, and we already know who a lot of the other role players are, that I'm scared that there's going to be this, like, mm. rumbling of why isn't Zaire playing? Like, what's that the issue? Sense. And we have such, it's, it's a combination of. I mean, I'm I'm pretty invested in him and everything, maybe more than a lot of people are. But the other thing that will stem from that is how bad we've done in the drafts with first-round picks. And Zaire, really, I thought was going to be like the one they kind of switched the narrative and Thibault looks great. Zaire has all these things we can't control like we're used to, but then showed promise toward the end. I just, I just want to have some positivity in these draft picks and I, and I don't want to have more whispering and rumbling about the fact that this team can't hit on first round picks yeah. and I you know I don't know I don't know what comes of that but we'll see we'll see like I said I, I just hope they have a plan the plan might be like hey let's give this dude a lot of run in Delaware for the first two months you know rather than play him and maybe that's the right move like we were just talking about rather than have him play 10 minutes a night 12 minutes a night spot duty, stand in the corner, shoot threes, play D. Maybe it's like, we think this dude can be more. Go down with Shake, go play in Delaware, play 35 minutes a night, get up, you know, 16, 17, 18 shots. And, you know, by the time, you know, Christmas rolls around, you're, you'll be here. You'll be here. Go do what you need to do. I hope so. Um, I think mine is, you know, the negative narrative is just, it's what we're already hearing, and I think it's going to continue to pop up. It's like, who's the closer? Yeah. Um, I think we're not going to play in a ton of close games. Um, That's why it's not up there for me. I think it's a real thing. Well, there's not going to be a sample size. So unless, you know, we play in a close game and the ball goes to Tobias and he swishes a three and it's it's like, oh, okay, that's the closer. But what's going to happen, you know, inevitably because it's Philadelphia, it's just the way things go. You know, we'll, we'll we'll have a nice, you know, start to the season. We'll be cruising and we'll play a close game versus the Celtics or, or somebody, you know, an, an, a nemesis. And it'll be crunch time. And Tobias will turn the ball over and, you know, Ben will brick a shot. And then all of a sudden you'll hear, you know, well, this, you know, the Sixers need Jimmy Butler and these things. And so I think it'll be a question all year long. Um, I, I still don't really know what the answer is going to be come playoff time. Um, I know Brett said it's going to run through Embiid, which I think it could work. Um, Embiid just got to continue to be, you know, improve his passing, cut down on the turnovers. I think, jo- I mean, dude, can we talk about Josh Richardson for a second? Like, you know, I've been capping for Josh yep. for probably two and a half years. I mean, I cannot believe he's a Sixer. I mean, just from the, the, the one preseason game, the scrimmage, I mean, he's everything I always thought he was from watching the Heat and, and even more. I just think, like, we're honestly like so blessed to have this dude. The fact that Jimmy wanted to go to the Heat, and the fact that we were able to get this guy is just like amazing. It's just a stroke of luck in in, in some ways. And so, I think he's a guy that can do a lot more than people think. I think he was tasked with a little too much in Miami last year, and so um, I'm really anxious. I think I think you're going to see the Sixers do some really creative stuff in the game, but it's going to happen not so often. So the sample size is going to be small. We're probably going to have. 10 to 12 samples going into the playoffs and you know again you're not going to shoot 100 percent, and you're not going to win 100 percent of those games so that'll that'll be the, the negative narrative in my eyes yeah 
I had kind of like I'm kind of splitting my positive on, on a couple of things you talked about. One, I think Josh Richardson is going to become like an NBA Twitter darling. Like I think he already kind of is, yeah. but he gets to play here now. And I think while a lot of people would maybe think that because he's like the fifth guy that people aren't going to notice him. I think people are going to realize like how well he does. He's going to score role. Yeah. They they need him to score and he's going to have like the fourth or fifth worst defender probably on him. Yeah. Like he's going to do so much on both ends, even in that lineup, even with all the usage of everybody else that I think like people that aren't Sixers fans are going to absolutely realize how great and valuable he is. And to your point, like, can't believe that we were able to turn Jimmy Butler wanting to retire in Miami into him and getting Horford. Like, I think that the entire year with the success they're going to have, like, I think it's going to be a runaway that Elton is GM of the year. Wow. That's a bold prediction. Runaway. That's a bold prediction. I I was going to actually say, I think Brett, this might be finally be the year that Brett gets some uh, coach of the year talk. I don't know if it'll happen. It'll probably go to a team, you know, that's, you know, making a big leap. But I think this could be the year. You know, if you remember back to 01, like, you know, McKee won six man, Iverson won MVP, Brown won coach of the year. Um, if the Sixers do as well as I think we all think they will, you know, they're going to have three all-stars. They're going to have three guys make all defense. They're going to have five on the all-rookie team. Brett Brown's going to be top three for, for coach of the who year. Are you, who are the three for all defense? Uh, it'll be uh, Embiid and Ben. Um, and I think uh, I think Josh is going to be on it. I do. I think it's going to be Josh Richardson. I think I think Horford's minutes are going to be low enough. I think um, I think his minutes are going to be really low. I was looking last year with the Celtics. He only played about 28 minutes a night. Oh wow! Um, I think he might play even less. Um, again, just to kind of conserve him, um, he's probably going to play more games than Embiid. So I could see his minutes per game really being around like that 26, 27. Where do you stand on like Embiid came out and said that it's not the uh, like he'd rather play more games, less minutes. Then he's worried, like he's not worried about nights off as much as he is about like less missing games. Do you think that that can make sense for him? Um, I think the game off thing is is a mental thing. I think it's just like you or I, if we you know take a PTO day, sometimes you just need a mental health day. So I think the, the season's long. I think for him to get an extra day of treatment that helps. But I think I'm I actually do agree with him that just keeping that that was the issue last year. I forget he was at 34, 35. He was leading the league in minutes. I yeah. think at one point. Um, just getting his minutes under 30, again, playing with that rotation tool, it's, it seems pretty easy to kind of get him around 28, 29. Um, and then what you hope is you, you plan that he's going to finish games. The goal would be to be up by enough that, you know, two, three minutes left, you can you can shut him down and yeah. really keep him maybe close to like 26. Yeah, I agree. That, and uh, to that point, because I think, I think I talked about this with Jimmy, too, about the closer thing. And, and I said, you know, my concern with that isn't necessarily who does it because I know Brett said it would be Joel, but I think Tobias Harris will be the guy, and I feel confident that he can do it. Uh, I really do. I'm I'm really excited for him this season. I think he's going to be their third All-Star. But, I think he's going to be an but All-Star. But my concern is that they're just not going to really get to do it enough. And like you said, like I think you know the execution of the plays or whatever, like – you can still do those same things when it's not that situation, and the only thing that really changes is nerves for yeah. the most part. So, like, you can still work that stuff out. But the annoying part is going to be, yeah, like the one time that Ben ends up having to shoot that shot and he doesn't make it, and then even for all the positive reaction he's getting right now, the first time he misses one that matters, it's going to be a nightmare. So, where are you on the Ben shot, the three? How are you feeling about overall the 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 whole narrative of Ben shooting and and him making the three? Like, where, where's your head at with him? I felt really good over the summer. I felt really bad when I heard he didn't basically take a shot in the scrimmage. I loved the three, but my concern is that like it felt like it felt super premeditated. It felt like he was baited into it, and I mean it looked good. I don't have any issue with how it looked, but I still just don't think he wants to do it. So, so you I think, think more triple doubles than three pointers? Yeah, that probably. Was one of your the last yeah, time. I I wasn't there when I made all the questions up. When I wrote all this, I wanted to be the one that said threes made. And over the last like week or two, I've kind of brought myself back down and said that. I mean, I just don't know how many situations it's going to be when it's there. I think especially if they're going to be up on teams and they're going to be running, he's definitely not going to do right. it. So like, in what situation do they get to the point where he's really doing it? Because they're either up so much that he doesn't have to and they're playing teams that can't stop him from not taking it because he can get to the rim right. or they're going to be in 
very heavily contested close games, and he's going to be too scared that he's going to miss them, and it's going to cost the team the game. So I just I don't know if there's a middle ground where he's in situations where it's comfortable enough for him to, to take to shot. do it. And I'm still not sure he's completely over the mental hurdle. Yeah, I mean, to me, I, no one really talks about it. We we live through the faults um, saga. I mean, I, I think with Ben, it's clearly mental um, as far as shooting the threes. I think he is going to shoot. I think he's not necessarily going to shoot threes. Yeah, I think he is going to shoot. I agree with that. Um, which will which will be a step in the right direction the thing that for me you know as much as like yeah of course if he was a 35 percent three-point shooter like like close it down it's, yeah it's over. it's over um and and maybe he'll get there i hope he does um i think the people who like try to downplay it are just like realistic like me and that it, it, it doesn't seem like it's it's you know real realistic that it's going to happen so what else can he do and my whole thing is can he be a better finisher? Can he be Thaddeus Young around the basket? Can he make 70% of his foul shots? To me, those are all more realistic pathways and actually more important than a three If he shot 70 from the line, I don't care if he ever shoots a three. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, again, I know the mid-range is the worst shot in basketball, but if he can get more confident from the line and all of a sudden he can just dribble into those elbow jumpers, um, not fade away as, as like with his back turn, even if his you know feet aren't great, just pulling up. And he had one the other night on a fast break against Charlotte. I saw. Yeah, I saw that. That looked pretty good. Again, the form's never going to be right. Um, I do think he shoots with the hand he shoots with. I don't. I don't really buy the whole like wrong hand thing. I just think his form's bad. <laughs> like, um, but but I think the, I think those will be what we see this year. I think the threes will be. A handful and and it'll be he'll make a couple and he'll miss some badly but I, I don't think it's going to become a real part of the game that that shot against the Hornets is the one that I need and yeah. it's what I, I've yeah. been saying it for for months if not years at this point that the main thing we saw in the playoffs that teams would stop him is they would basically have two guys wall him off at the free throw line. Pull so up he and can, hit that. So if he can just, just pull, pull up and right there and hit that that's it that's and, all I and need. And with the size the team has it's almost like, like you know, I'm not a big hockey guy, but it's almost a, or you know, soccer. Like, just get the ball up there and then let our guys die. Exactly. Yeah. All, all the more with this team, especially if he's out there with both like Embiid and Horford, for example. Exactly. Even if he misses it, if one, two guys walled him off at the line. Exactly. Who, There's who's, who's going to stop that? Right. Who's boxing out? Right. I agree completely. So I agree with that. So season win totals, uh, most lines are 53 and a half. I think they're way over. I don't know if they get to 60. I was trying to do the math in my head, like, okay, 41 games at home, 41 on the road, uh, you know, whatever, how many games they play against the East versus 30 games against the West. And it's like, man, 60 is a big number. You know, I I think it's probably something like 57, 58. You know, I I think if they get to 60, it'll be like 60 and 22. I think they just get there. My guess, my sense is – I do think they'll get the one seed. I do. I think the Bucks. I, I think the loss of Brogdon is huge. I know Giannis is or Giannis, I should say, is uh, is incredible. I say Giannis too. I've been getting yeah, shit for it recently bad. for some it's reason, bad. and I'm like, I, I'm, dude, I, I, th- I think it's South Jersey. It's a South Jersey thing. Yeah, I'll take that. Um, but uh, yeah, I think if it's sixty, it's exactly sixty. But I, my guess is they fall a hair short. So I'll, I'll say fifty-eight. Yeah, I think it's over. I think that they're gonna lose. I don't think they're gonna lose double digit at home. Like I think they, they're yeah. like nine or 30, yeah, they'll be like thirty three, thirty four, thirty five, and whatever. At but home. the thing with Embiid and even Horford and the way they've often done the rest thing is it always generally comes on the road and out west. And I mean it's smart. Like those games don't matter as much. It's out of conference. You're traveling, especially for like a guy like Embiid. It's probably not really comfortable and easy to travel, even with all their luxuries and stuff. Yeah. Like, so there's gonna be times where he doesn't go, or when they back the backs out there, he sits one of them. So like, that's when you're gonna lose, and they're gonna lose a decent. And the West is good. Like, they could easily lose both LA games. They could easily lose to a Jazz team. They could easily yeah. lose to Damian Lillard getting hot. There's some, and there's some weird teams that you know. I think like the Magic are a team I think about like. It's funny that every everything in the NBA was like going small, going small. All of a sudden, you have like a couple of these teams that are kind of going the other way. Obviously, the Sixers because we we think about them and talk about them all the time. Like, have you looked at the Magic? Like, they're kind of weird too. They've yeah. got Vooch, they've got Isaac, they've got Gordon. Like, that's a team I could just see us like you know rolling down to Orlando, feeling good about ourselves and just getting like punched in the face and being like, whoa, what happened? And just like you know, they're just young guys that you know, played really hard because teams are going to be up for the Sixers every game. Um, so there'll be a couple of those kind of weird losses where... That's not talked about enough either. 
Teams are going to come for them. Big time. Big You're time. You're getting we'll, every team's we'll, best shot. We'll play the Kings. The Kings will be a weird one for us because, you know, I don't, even though as much as I love Richardson Garden point guards, like um, against Fox, like he's a guy that I don't I, think. I love De'Aaron Fox He's unbelievable. So and, and they've got that goofy size where they just have a bunch of young, you know, long bodies to throw at the Sixers. So, like, I could see some weird losses where, you know, it, it's almost just like matchup based. And if it was a seven game series, it'd be 4 1, you know, but it, it could be that one game, right. that one night. Um, you know, after playing, you know, five of eight games and, you know, five games and eight nights or whatever. I do think that Horford and Richardson especially are the kind of players that I feel like you're you're definitely going to have one or two of those games. But like we see, saw a lot, even, you know, going 52 and 30, we saw too many of those 30 being pretty bad losses. I think guys like Richardson and yeah, Horford are really going to offset the idea that you're ever going to get that smacked. I don't, yeah, I don't think we'll get smacked. I think it'll, exactly. I don't, I think there'll just be games where it's like, we're not at our best. We're still in the game, but, you know, you lose it at the end or something. But yeah, yeah I agree. I agree. Hopefully that's behind us. Just those like horrific like what were these guys doing last night like like i would say like if i set the over under at like two and a half for games that you will have to turn off yeah. before the third quarter ends i would take the under the under okay yeah i would say yeah i would say hopefully less than like five would yeah. be really nice uh, to your point i think there was probably like 15 of those last year yeah for sure we talked about number six is who are all stars. You said three. You think Tobias is the third? I do. So Joel, I, Ben. I, I, I think Tobias. You know, is Tobias worth 180 million? No. Um, in a vacuum, like he 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 got what he got because it was just the the nature of it. You know, the Sixers could be in the same situation with Josh in two years when everyone's got cap room again. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I hope they can find a way to kind of hang on to this core four. I think um, again, when you look around the NBA and you look at like whose team's top four players are. If they can keep this group together, I mean, this could be a really magical run. Um, so, um, so yeah, I, I think Tobias is the guy. He's going to get a lot of opportunities, score a lot of points. I think the Sixers are going to be the one seed, and they're going to get rewarded with um, with three All Stars. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm there. I think we'll be able to tell pretty early yeah. if he comes out. If he comes out firing, then if he's scoring twenty points a night off the bat, and his confidence grows, and the team's confidence grows in him, they'll they'll, they'll feed him the ball. Yeah, and if he's getting the end, if he's getting the end game touches, it's gonna bump the profile too, yep. which I think he is. I I I'm not sure it runs through. His it. biggest thing is like just get to the line, man. Just yep. just get down low, get contact, finish, and you know we need to see you at the line four, five, six times a game at least. Yeah, le- yeah, definitely. It looks like he's been working on the off the dribble and creation stuff too. And like when all I heard about the summer was lateral quickness, I'm like, that's not something that's really gonna that you're even gonna be able to tell. But I don't know. Maybe maybe it's my mind playing tricks on me. But I, I do legitimately think he had some a little more pep in his step. Or his, something. his body looks great. I think he'll always be fine against threes and f- most threes, definitely fours. And, and we saw him guard fives with Gasol, which I think is nobody really talks about. So as far as switching, sure. Again, against guards. You know he's always going to have his issues, but that's where you have Horford and Embiid. So you you play them to the the side that you know the defense, the strategy is, and you you send them to Embiid. You send them to Horford. Right. You funnel them. Those. This team hit JJ Redick for three years. Exactly. Uh, if if Tobias is the one you have to hide, I feel significantly better. Yeah, I completely agree. Because he's active, he tries. He tries, and he rebounds. He mm-hmm. rebounds, and um, I think that's another exciting part for this team is, like, they're going to defend well. They're going to have guys like Tobias, Josh, um, um, Ben, obviously, that can grab boards and just go. And so even though we're bigger and, and you might think slower, I think we're going to get a pretty decent amount of transition points. I don't think you answered the Ben Simmons question. You you asked it to me, but I don't know if you answered the, the it. The triple-doubles or the three-pointers? Yeah. Uh, I think it's going to be triple doubles. I'm like you. I, I I was really hopeful for the threes, um, but I didn't I didn't necessarily think it was it was a guarantee. Um, if he's not putting up you know two of them a night right now in early preseason, you know again maybe he'll take one a night. You know I could see him taking one a night. Um, I just don't know how many he's going to make yeah. really. So I, I think the safer bet's probably triple doubles. I think he'll get close to probably twenty triple doubles. I was gonna I was gonna say yeah. I actually like I'm, I I I'd probably put money on like twenty. Yeah. Like I think if you told me like. 18 and a half, I, I'm probably take the over. I might. That sounds actually like the right line, 18 and a half. Yeah. It's close. Uh, second leading scorer. Tobias. 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 Yeah. I think that's pretty much the consensus. Uh, you talked about end of season a little bit. We already did. All, all NBA, all defense, 
So you, I think all defense you had said Embiid, Ben, and Josh. Josh yeah, I think they'll get on there. I, whatever, three of the ten spots. Um, I think Embiid will make first team All NBA. Ben will make third team All NBA, and um, I think that'll probably be it. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I don't think anyone else gets there. The all defense is going to be crazy, especially. You said you know some people like uh, I think you said Nate Silver. So I'm like projecting historic level defense, like yeah, Nate Duncan, our boy Duncan. Nate Duncan, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, that it's not out of the conversation. It's not that, out of the realm of possibility. Of them, you yeah. know, that Horford gets there too. Like I mean, you that said, would be good. It it would be historic. It would be crazy. Um, I'm I I'm honestly I I still think Josh Richardson is like I, like I think this is the year that he gets like recognized. It's the same way last year where we really felt Ben deserved that recognition, and I think. His gameplay merited it, but you kind of have to like earn yeah. the rep. Like you have to have that season where you deserved it and didn't get it before you get it. And I think you have to realize like Josh has a chip on his shoulder, man. Like uh, you got traded, you know, for, for Jimmy Butler. I mean, I get it, but like you know, he loved Miami. Like if you hear him talk about his relationship with Bam and some of the guys down there, so like they got rid of him. They chose somebody else over him. I think he's gonna have a little chip on his shoulder, and I think that's only gonna be to our benefit. Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, I think you mentioned the two players. So you said you think they get the one seed. I do. I do. I think. Now, is that more, I guess, if you have to weigh it evenly, is that more just Sixers much better even than many project? Or do you think the Bucks actually fall off more than I don't think the, the Bucks Sixers? fall off. I think the Bucks will maintain sort of where they were. I think they're going to take a quarter step back with, with the Brogdon, you know, losing, uh, losing Malcolm. Um, and I think the Sixers take uh three quarters of a step forward and i think when it all nets out i think the sixers probably are uh, a game or two better than them they play milwaukee i right think at they're the end like of the second se- le- to the last game of the year i, know, or I saw that that's going to be a really fascinating game especially if it matters if it like matters, that. Right. i think it might it could it very well could i think it's a home game too it yes i think it is it is so yeah they're here for christmas and they're here then wow I think it's like April seventh, and then the last one was like the fifteenth against Charlotte. Yeah, we know way too much about the Sixers schedule. Which will be the thirty-second game against Charlotte for the season. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, okay, MVP or Defensive Player of the Year type awards. Over anyone. like from the Sixers? Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you can just say who you think they will be if they're not Sixers. But I mean, talk about any Sixers you think that are in contention for that. I mean, I hate to say it. There's going to be, you want to talk about like, you know, narratives or whatever, um, tropes, as, as Jimmy was saying, I think Ant- uh, Anthony Davis is going to get a ton of MVP push from like the national media. Um, I don't know where the Lakers come in. at. I, I have my doubts about them, but then at the same time, at the same time, you got LeBron and NAD out there. So if they're healthy, They'll probably be a top three seed. I could see them being as low as four and five, though, if those guys get nicked up. So I don't know if I really know who the MVP will be. You know, Harden and Westbrook are going to split the vote down there in Houston. You know, I just I don't think Embiid will play enough games. I just I just don't. Just, he's always going to get penalized for that. Um, Steph is the popular choice again. If he stays healthy, he's going to have a ton of usage on him. So that that worries me a little bit. Um, it could be a really fun year. It could be Giannis again. It could be as simple as that. Like we yeah. might just all be overthinking. I think Giannis it. is the easy one. I, I think if I had to pick a second person, I think it's Jokic. Interesting. I really do. Well, I think he's just going to pad stats. I, and and I'm looking at your list of questions here. I mean, I, I I posted something the other day like I'm I'm high on the Nuggets this year. And people took it a couple of different ways, but <laughs> but I am. I, I just think um, I, for the same reason I like the Sixers. I just think that that team, all of the all of the pieces, um, just make the 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 sum of that group even better. And I think when you dig into like the Clippers and you dig into the the roster of the Lakers, even the roster of the Rockets, and you look past the who's the third guy, who's the fourth guy, who's the fifth guy. I really like that Nuggets. The Nuggets roster. are eight to nine deep. They're eight like, to nine playoff deep, but not not even just deep. role guys. Like guys that can do a lot of different stuff, and they've got to move in them. And I think that's a team that would be an unbelievable destination for Beal. So yeah. I, I like them getting to at least the Western Conference Finals. Um, I think it'll probably be them and the Clippers, if I had to guess. I don't think it's going to be the Clippers year, though. In terms, I, I, I'm picking the Nuggets to go to the finals, just because. There's just something, you know, a lot of games last year for, for Kawhi, even though he sat out, when you factor in the playoffs, and you've watched him at the end of the year, man. Like, his body, like, I don't know if his body is, like, built to last. Like, I'm very curious to see over the next two, three, four years how his career goes. Same thing with George. I think 
Yeah, George one is of my concerns, man. One of my favorite players. I, if he was a sixer, I would be like, you know, it'd be unbelievable. And he's a guy they should have probably, you know, pursued harder when he was available back in the day. But he's another guy that, you know, like any team, but he has these injury concerns. That I, I just wonder again when it's all said and done for them, are they going to have, are, are they going to have enough um, health to to sustain it? But I, I think they'll be there. I think their depth is really good too. And I just like the Nuggets, man. I'm with you. I think Jokic. Um, that's a great call on MVP. Um, he's a guy that could definitely put some numbers up this year. The Nuggets are similar to us, too, though. They're going to have to figure out who closes games. Yeah. I think it's Murray. It, I, I mean, it pretty much has to, has be, to be. But is he – I mean, he's another guy. I don't think he's worth the max. Yeah, you had I mean, to give you, either, it to you either believe in him or you don't. I, I do. I think he's just a guy that in two years we're going to be like, man, this guy's one of the best players in the NBA. Well, yeah, I'm not there on him. I, I have no issue with them giving him the contract. It's not that much, but – I think he's. He just has that like fu kind of like personality that I think like, I I just think he you know his personality. I watch him play basketball. He I think he really believes in himself, believes in his skill. He's not afraid to take any shot. He's got sneaky athleticism. You know, he'll yam on somebody. So so let's like we we've talked about pretty much all of them except one. So him uh, okay. So Jamal Murray, Tobias Harris, Chris Middleton, ranked them. For the Sixers, like in in what context? I, like I guess who's you know who like they all got the same contract basically, but which I take, one I'll, t- I'll take I'll go Murray Harris Middleton. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Yeah, and I think that the guy, and because Murray's age too, you have to factor that. Yeah, well, yeah. Let's just let's just talk talent. Right. I would, and I think the gap between Murray and Harris is a lot less than the gap between either of them and Middleton. I'm I'm not a Middleton guy at all. Um, I think they had to do they it. They had to do it, but I, you know, uh, Spike, you know, our, our friend, uh, the Ricky, uh, Ricky podcast, um, he's always saying like, if Middleton's your number two guy, like, what does that mean? And I, I think that's actually right. I, yeah, I think it's correct. I absolutely agree. I, I'm not sure that he like Tobias is our third guy. Maybe, maybe you could argue for it. Right. I don't, I'm not sure Middleton's a third guy. Like he's a, maybe a mid tier to, if he was on the Lakers, if he was on the Lakers, I'd be like, okay. That's that's the that's a squad. Well, yeah. he's their third guy, but but being the number two guy in Milwaukee and what he's gonna have to do, especially with Brogdon gone, man, you know they they really messed up with Bledsoe and Brogdon. You know, I think that's I, agree. I think when you look back at like this past summer, the stroke of luck the Sixers got getting Richardson and Milwaukee choosing essentially choosing Bledsoe over Brogdon is going to be one of the things that maybe doesn't get discussed a lot, but is maybe going to be the difference between one making it to the finals and one not. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So you said Nuggets Clippers, yeah. and you have the Nuggets going to the I finals. I do, man. I so just believe in them. The East? I think, I mean, it's it's going to be Philly and Milwaukee. It's going to be Philly and Milwaukee. It's going to be a dogfight. Giannis, I think definitely MVP number one or two this season, and he's going to drag that to six games. I think we're all going to be like, you know, biting our nails, you know, and, and be really nervous. But um, I don't think it'll go seven. I think we'll have home court. I think we'll, um, you know, win our home games, and I think we'll get game six in, in Milwaukee. Wow. We're going to beat them in Milwaukee for it. Yeah. That's going to feel really good. It's going to be a shame <laughs> that we won't see it, but. That's gonna feel really. We'll good. see. We'll see the championship, and we'll, that'll we'll see the, like we'll see the that would be game. huge momentum wise going into a finals to have beaten Milwaukee on the road in six. Yeah, that would be huge. And okay, so Nuggets Sixers. I think Sixers. That's got to be a clash for you if you're so high on the Nuggets. Well, no, I mean, I, I, I part of me, you know, from like from just a storytelling standpoint, like you know, we've, there's all these national types that I've seen put like Jokic over Embiid and like. It would be a dream, you know, or even if it was like Gobert, I mean, Anthony Davis as well. Like any, like for Embiid just to like massacre to dem- one of those bulldozer somebody yeah, and just like win it in like, stage. just win it in like five games and just being like, okay, this debate's over. Like we need to stop talking about AD or Jokic or Gobert in the same breath as Embiid because it's like not even close. That would be a very fun series to watch. I, while I don't think the Nuggets get there, I think the Nuggets are the team I would least want to play. I think I'd rather play the Clippers. I'd rather play the Lakers because of the fact that specifically to Embiid, his matchup is so good mm-hmm. with either of them. And like even the Jazz, I mean, Gobert can't handle him. And Gobert barely gets played out of the playoffs anyway at this rate. So who's your pick? 
I think it's the Clippers. Okay. Sixers I don't Clippers. I, I don't believe in the Lakers. I on like we talked about it with uh with Eric Marcherano when we were talking about lines like I actually think the Lakers are a high value bet to miss the playoffs. Whoa. Like I'm not it wouldn't be probable but the odds okay. are 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 good. Okay. And the potential they're is They're not there, missing the playoffs. A, <laughs> I don't think they're missing the playoffs. Well, that's why the odds are good cuz right, most people right. don't think that, but right. it only takes one bad injury from two guys that it happens to yeah no you're right. I mean for that to go something already off the rails with in Davis's a sta- thumb or in something a stacked already? west yeah I do think that, did you see the Rich Paul quote where he said like if AD was on the Bucks they would have been in the finals yeah. and it's like dude you had Drew Holiday like you could even drag the the Pelicans to the playoffs yeah I, I mean I've I've never been an Anthony Davis guy I understand the talent but yeah he's super talented and so is Towns and it's like I think that's the underrated thing about Embiid is like for all his imperfections for all the things that. You know, we love him, but, you know, we, we want to see him, you know, improve. He makes his team so much better. He just does. But I have the Clippers going in the West, and I think outside of them, I I think the Trailblazers are really going to be back. I think they're being slept on. Wow. See, I, I think the opposite. I think Damian Lillard is another Dark Horse MVP guy. Like That's he, a good call. He could average over 30 a game. That's a really good call. I like that. And with so many teams having multiple guys that need to eat, I mean, they have McCollum, but like Dame's going to get his. And if he has, if he puts it together for a full season, he could C- easily. CJ McCollum for Aaron Gordon, who says no. That's tough. I Portland, if I'm saying one of them, but it's a pretty good deal. Yeah. But I think it's Portland more than Orlando. Okay. Feel feel like that's one that should like have happened because of the fact that they like not that this is really the same thing as Aaron Gordon, but just size wise, like I, they have Whiteside and they have Nurkic and they have what's the dude who played for Team USA? Oh, Collins. N- uh, no, don't they have um? Jesus Christ! <laughs> D- don't they have a Plumley? <laughs> they, they might. I don't even, I just think they have There's like six of them. So I think I mean, they have like a lot of those guys. Teams, I think they can't afford to lose a guard for another big guy. Well, they have Simons coming. This kid that they all love yeah. who blew up summer league. So I don't know. We're off topic, but it's probably not I actually the, I feel differently though about the Blazers. I think that's the team you're talking about, like odds. Um, I think all the five thirty eight numbers that are out there are like that's the team that could could fall off. So hmm. to your point, if they don't, if they're you know in that upper echelon of the West. Dame could easily be an MVP candidate. I'm actually going to Vegas in a couple of weeks. I got to see what the odds are. Yeah. on that. <laughs> that might be a good bet. And before I before I get really negative for the last thing, uh, like, can you do you have like a, a team in each conference that didn't make the playoffs that you think can eat, can get in or be a sleeper? Because I love I love a team in each conference. Let me like, hear yours first. Hawks and Kings. I like the Kings. I, I like the Kings. I like the Hawks, but not this year. I don't think I don't think they're ready yet. I like the Kings. I like the Kings a lot. I think the Kings and the Pelicans are going to be interesting to watch, yeah. in my opinion. I think they could cause a lot of damage in the West. I think teams like I think teams like Golden State, I mean, again, I know how good Steph is. They're going to make the playoffs if they're healthy, but like they might be a seventh seed. Yeah. Well, you talked about Steph. I mean, I'm a huge Steph guy. You talked about his usage and he could He's very up there in MVP odds, but I'm scared of that usage for him in a regular season. Me That's too. what scares me. Me too. Me At, too. And if he goes down, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. I mean, it's, it's not it's, even. It's like it's 28 ugly. wins. Yeah, it's ugly. Yeah. So that scares me with him. Uh, I had the Clippers in the West. I I don't have I don't have the the courage to pick pick against it at this point. But everything you said about the concerns with them are very real to me too. But I just have the feeling at least this season that Kawhi will have enough. I don't. I don't know if I trust him over three years, yeah. four years, but this season I think he'll have enough to just get them there, and I think that they can probably manage Paul George to where it's the same thing. Like they can get him there rather than needing to burn him into the ground to get there, where like OKC had to do that, and then he can't. He can't handle it at the end. Like I think they can get there without him and manage him to be at his peak there. At least the, the best you're going to get out of him, depending on that situation. But I think the, the to your, answer your question. They made the playoffs last year. I think they were the eighth seed. I, I like Orlando. Um, not to do any, not to make any like real noise, but I think they're going to have a winning record. I think they're going to make life miserable for a lot of teams. Their size is just I so agree. good. Um, I'm not even really want to get into the faults thing, but can you believe Vucevic was a sixer? I know it's crazy. I loved crazy. him here, and then I, I did but, I, but I still never saw this. No, he's he's really good, and 
I just think they're well coached. I think Fultz will do his thing off the bench and provide them with some stuff that they don't have. Obviously, he still has his issues. I think it's kind of hilarious. Like people are talking about, you know, how he's doing the same things he did do here. Doing the same thing if you watch like his games from October, November last year. But he can still be a viable player, especially as a bench guy. Um, Augustine's pretty underrated. They've got shooting with Ross and and Fournier. Like I, I think they're a team in the regular season that'll get some nice wins. They'll take somebody to six games in the first round. I think they'll be probably higher than people think. The the back of the East is just kind of interesting. Like the Celtics, their defense is a huge question mark. I would like the Pacers more if I was really confident in Oladipo getting back to 100%. I think if I knew he was going to be 100% for the last 50, 55 games of the year, I'd feel pretty good about them being the three seed. I like some of the stuff they did. Um, I think they've got a move in them potentially. Yeah. Um, but I'm just I, not, I love the Pacers, but you're right. Yeah, it I'm all just depends not, on depe- Depot getting I'm just, back. I'm just not sold. You know, that's that's a weird, tough injury. So I think Orlando's a team that I would love the Bucks have to play in the yeah. first round. Yep. They could really actually that's give them exact, trouble. I'm telling you, they're they're the team that, you know, when they're matched up against the better teams, is gonna look well and then they'll lose like, you know, stupid games. Yeah, that, they'll lose to the Hornets. Exactly. Yeah, they'll and, lose twice to the and Hornets. And it'll be the one game that Terry Rogier looks really good. <laughs> yeah. But with the uh, with the finals, man, I, I'm not sure about Milwaukee. I'm not. I'm not sure we get there. I have a bad feeling that this is an Eastern oh, no. Conference Finals loss. Oh no! I don't want to. I don't want to be that guy. Okay. And like I like most of the time, I'm gonna just be arrogant as shit and say that we're going. Okay. But in in a pure analysis perspective, I just I think Giannis like last season is just gonna cause him to come in like a fucking steamroller, and I'm not sure that. They can stop. I mean, we've seen every single person on this team, as good as we think this defense can be, we've seen him beat everyone on this team. We've seen him go at Joel and win. We've seen him go at Horford and win. We've seen that he can just absolutely steamroll Ben. Like, they have a great team defense, but do do they really have an answer for him if he's on? We'll see. I mean, he's starting to make threes now. Um, We'll see. I mean, it's it's the age-old question, like, can can a great team be a great player? Right. It's going to be a great matchup. It's going to be awesome. I still hope that they have to play Orlando in the first round. (laughs) Like we might throw a parade if Milwaukee just gets knocked out before we see them. Wouldn't that be funny? That would be crazy. It'd be crazy. The the real, uh, the great thing would be like if the Celtics beat them, (laughs) wouldn't that be hilarious? And then like, and then we get to beat the Celtics to like go into the finals. Yeah. There's a lot. There's so many things that can happen. that are going to make this fun. It's going to be a hell of a season. I agree. Uh, That's all I have. You have anything else? No, nah, man, I appreciate coming on. Um, like like yeah, you I said, I don't, I don't really on. have like a platform, so I just you know like the BS and, and kick it about the Sixers. So, Dude, anytime, uh, this can be the platform, man. Anytime, cool, cool. please Thanks come for over and hang me. out. This was awesome. All right, appreciate All you. All right, man. again, you can find Marty on Twitter at MWTeller. Uh, this is Process Portables. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Cheers. Cheers.